Eternal Kingdom is written by Michelle Roger. This book is edited by Brendan McWilliams. Sound engineered by Steve Nett of Computer Room Services. Graphic novel drawn by Tom Duncan. Music composed, performed, and recorded by Michelle Roger. Eternal Kingdom, Chapter 12 Micah handed Sergeant Akers an envelope of cash. Akers put his Marlboro to his lips and yellowing teeth, freeing his fingers to thumb through the bills. And you say you want the winners? That's right, Micah confirmed. I had promised the city council some stats on their rehabilitation program. Micah smiled. He opened his satchel and handed Akers two files. Here is the analysis of the repeat crime offenders, reintroduction to work program success rates, and quarterly reports of tax savings for your correctional facility for the next year. Akers stared at Micah, unable to fathom where on earth the strange man might have come up with such fabricated data. He opened his mouth and then closed it again. He didn't want to know, and he really didn't care. Micah paid better than the city council, and while the city was broke, the man before him clearly was good for the milking. We've held five games so far. The sixth one is about to start, and the last two will be done by tomorrow morning. I'll send for a van for the winners tomorrow night. Agreed? Micah confirmed. Sure you don't want the losers? Akers pressed. If he could sell the losers to Micah, the city would still pay the peanuts to fund the rehabilitation for the winners. No, I need the winners. I need the ones who can stay calm under pressure. Besides, I like to think that the winners will know when they're facing their death. Akers stared at the vampire. He deliberated. He thought he was selling off the dregs of the city to some sex trade or work camp. This guy had balls, openly speaking about killing them off. Akers respected that. Just tell the city that none of the first batch of winners made it through the rehabilitation. Then, send the next few through the system and release them. My data will support you. You should have guaranteed funding for the next five years, and I'll talk to my friends on the council and see to it. Akers laughed and put the cash envelope on the inside jacket pocket. Job security is a beautiful thing. He took a last drag of his cigarette and threw the butt to the concrete alley behind the prison. Mind if I watch the next match? Micah asked, waiting to be invited. Come on in. The fun's about to start. Gentlemen, welcome to Hawk's Correctional Facility for Boys. I'm Sergeant Akers, he announced into a small desktop microphone. Two teenage boys waddled into the small, brightly lit room. The boys' feet were shackled to short chains that connected to a central chain wrapped around their waist. Sit down and shut up. The boys, between the ages of 15 and 17, eyed each other, jockeying for the best plastic orange chair. There were only two seats with a table between them. Each tried to intimidate the other for the best seat ever so slightly closer to the door. It was difficult to look bigger, tougher, or smarter when walking was so restricted. Malkin, slightly thinner and quicker, lunged into the coveted seat, leaving Evan the other. The smell of disinfectant filled the room. The halogen lights made everything look gray and surreal. 
Evan felt like a rat in an experimental lab of a madman. He looked over at Malkin, whose wrists were bloody and bruised from his cuffs being too tight. He stared at him incredulously, but Malkin seemed to take little notice. Sergeant Akers began to shout again over the speaker. The city has little time and even less money to deal with the likes of you. Unfortunately, you have seen fit to arm yourselves and take to the streets. You thought it was a good idea to rob, steal, and dominate, and eventually kill your fellow citizens. That makes you criminals, and criminals cost money. At this, Malkin laughed. Sergeant Akers watched them through a security camera and smirked. You seem to think there are no consequences for taking another man's life. You are wrong. The city has a history of locking up young men who like to break the law and conveniently forgetting where they've left the keys. Your rehabilitation means that we have to feed you, clothe you, and house you. The city cannot afford to do this. It spent a lot of money feeding you and educating you as schoolchildren. If it is forced to spend more money on you, then it wants to know that you're worth the investment. And so, now, gentlemen, answer this. How much does your life mean to you? The people you killed obviously meant nothing, but how about you? What are you worth? According to your files, both of you attended DPS 45. You both took academy-level classes, and the city will not waste time on those who refuse to be educated. In this correctional facility, it will not pay for those who refuse to be rehabilitated. And so, gentlemen, since you like power and planning out a hit, you qualify for the Hawks Correctional Inmate Reduction Program. The room next to them became illuminated. Evan could see that the two rooms were separated by a thick piece of glass. He could see the next larger room filling with other boys dressed in the same orange scrubs. The incoming inmates were blinking and staring back at them. Sergeant Akers continued his orientation speech, the speakers blurring in both rooms. Each of you was hosed down when you arrived. If you're going to kill like animals, you will be treated like them. This is your one and only chance to prove the contrary. Men are worthy of a chance. Animals are disposable. A third room on the other side of Malkin and Evan was suddenly bathed in light. There came a rushing sound from a nozzle in the ceiling as it moved slightly under the pressure. Two large dogs were inside fighting one another. One dog was foaming at the mouth. The room, full of teenagers, began to whoop and call out bets as to which dog would win. The rushing sound from the ceiling grew louder. Soon the two dogs were apart from each other and running to the corners of the room. They pawed at the door and tried to chew the bottom of the frame. One dog desperately ran to the glass next to Evan and Malkin and howled in fear, begging to be let out and clawing at the glass. The other threw himself hard against the window near the crowd of inmates. The boys cheered the dog on as he frantically tried to break through. In under a minute, the slightly smaller dog fell over, his paws scraping the glass as he melted to the floor. The second dog immediately followed. Their bodies twitched and jerked as the gas suffocated them until they were dead. Malkin eyed the dogs cautiously. Evan sniffed the air deeply, trying to detect the smell of gas. His pulse quickened, but he reassured himself that it was merely a scare tactic. Silence filled all three rooms. Sergeant Aker's voice came through the speaker with a gleeful lilt. The soap in which you were hosed down during processing contained microbes. These microbes produce lactic acid when the human body is under stress. Evan ran his hand gingerly over his arms. 
If you're wondering what a microbe is, just think of it as a tiny bug that can be absorbed into your body and crawl under your skin, Akers continued. Evan ran his fingers through his hair, checking to see if he noticed any crawling sensation. The true sign of a man is good performance and clear thinking under pressure. A man will think his way through his problem. A dog will lose control, giving into his panic and strike out to save itself. Evan and Malkin, open your box and show your fellow inmates in the audience if you are a man or a dog. Malkin opened the box and pulled out a vinyl scroll and cardboard box. The scroll looked as if it had come from a recycled, cheap car seat upholstery. He wondered if the reduction program was sponsored in part by one of the local big car manufacturers. He unrolled it while Evan opened the coffee-stained box. When laid flat, the vinyl was a printed chessboard, complete with letter and numbers on the sides, turning it into a grid. The pieces in the box clunked together dully as the boys dug through and set up the board. Chess was common in Detroit. Some doctor somewhere had done a study back in the 50s convincing a booming city that it was the game of the educated and the elite. Detroit was putting itself on the global map back then, and the thought of its public schools teaching classes comparable to the likes of New York public schools was a defining moment. Fast forward 60 years, the crumbling city was still using the tattered recycled car floor mat boards in the hopes to teach strategy and logical thinking. Evan and Malkin had both used boards and pieces just like the ones before them when they had entered the public school in the first grade. Since Evan opened the box, he set himself up as white. White moved first. It was a slight advantage. Malkin noticed but said nothing. It all comes down to the end game, he told himself. Evan moved a pawn to the center of the board. He sadly recalled the hundreds of games he had played on the front porch with his grandpa. His father would sit in a chair in the corner pretending to read his paper. He would look up and give advice to Evan between the middle and the end game when his grandfather had him cornered. His father had always told him, whoever has the center has the power. Evan wondered if he would ever have the chance to thank either of the men for those evenings together. Malkin moved a pawn to open with a path for his knight, and he waited to see if Evan would take note. Schoolhouse chess demanded the classic control of the center of the board. Evan had been known in school for his high marks and chess trophies. Malkin, on the other hand, had scored lower in the eyes of his teachers. Malkin preferred street chess, where the strategies were planned only a couple moves deep, and the death blow to the king appeared to come from nowhere. Street chess was fast and frantic, played with the emotional self, where cash rewards were pretty good if he knew how to hustle. Classic chess could take hours with strict logic at its core. Trophies and ratings were the rewards at school, useless trinkets for a kid trying to survive. The thing about Malkin's shoot-from-the-hip style was if it worked, game over, quick and lethal. Conversely, if the opponent saw it for what it was, then it meant starting a new plan all over again, putting oneself at a huge disadvantage. A few moves between the two and the inmates in the audience pulled their orange plastic chairs up to the glass to get a closer look. Malkin set up his bishop in place and leaned back in his chair. His heart began to race as Evan stared at the board. Malkin stared at Evan's face, but Evan's eyes were hard to read. Evan reached for his rook. Malkin could feel the rush of adrenaline in anticipation of Evan's mistake and downfall. He wondered how the city killed off its incarcerated youth. He wondered, but he didn't really care. 
People died every day here. Why should he care so much about Evan? The goal was to survive, and Malcolm was about to win his life. Evan stopped abruptly. He removed his glasses and rubbed the bridge of his nose in thought. His fingertips were a hair away from the rook, but he didn't touch it. He knew the rules. If he touched a piece, he had to play it, even if he saw a better move at the last minute. Something felt wrong. Maybe it was the growing pounding in his head as he grappled with the realization that he was playing a death match. He looked at each of Malkin's pieces. He followed their paths. None looked suspicious. Then he saw it. From way to the side, Evan saw Malkin's fool's mate. It was an old-time trick from the streets. Evan blocked the move and suddenly felt the pain in his head subside as he exhaled. Malkin, in contrast, jerked at the jab in his stomach. His kill had been thwarted. The pain in his stomach felt as though a dull knife had been plunged into him, tearing away at his muscles. Evan looked on in horror as a group of microbes moved under the skin in Malkin's neck, racing to his torso. Malkin bared his teeth and clenched his fists. Evan tried to stand up and back away. The booming voice of Sergeant Aker shouted over the speaker, Sit down! The door to their room opened abruptly and two officers entered. Malkin and Evan's belly and ankle chains were shackled to the floor and padlocked. Sergeant Akers came over the speaker again, making everyone jump. If you will look above your heads, gentlemen, you will see that from the ceiling two glass enclosures are suspended. With each piece taken by your opponent, the enclosure will descend. When the winner takes the final kill, the enclosure above the loser will fall and completely seal. The nozzle at the top will release the gas, killing the dog trapped in his cage. Proceed, gentlemen. The boys in the audience stared up at the glass boxes and the protruding one-eyed ventricle nozzles. Evan stared up and the throbbing returned to his head with a vengeance. He wondered how many microbes were swirling around, feasting on his gray matter. He assumed bugs needed to eat something. He shuddered and focused his attention on the board and counted the moves to his next strike. It was his turn, and he pressed his lips together, trying to think through the growing pounding in his brain. Evan moved his knight toward the center with calm and focus. Malkin took it as a personal threat. Holding his stomach, he told himself that Evan would never be the man he was. He needed something that would scare Evan, something that would break his cool reserve. Malkin brought out his queen, the most powerful piece on the board. As he placed her in the middle of the attack, he watched Evan's breathing began to quicken. Beads of sweat formed on his forehead. He watched through dark, hooded eyes as Evan winced in pain under the stress. A conglomerate of microbes moved in unison, making Evan's scalp ripple. It made Malkin smile. Evan tried breathing through the knife-like pain that seemed to be splitting his brain in two. He noticed that if he could control his racing heart, the pain was tolerable and he could think. His hands balled up into fists as he grappled for control. His mind wanted to shut down and hide. All he could feel was the searing white pain. His opponent looked menacingly at him from across the table. Evan closed his eyes and began to breathe through his mouth to avoid vomiting. After a few minutes passed, the wave of pain decreased. Evan opened his eyes slowly for the fear that the bright light might set off his headache again. When there was no pain, he stared at the pieces on the board. After a few seconds, he regrouped and took Malkin's queen with a bishop. A high-pitched whine sang sickly over Malkin's head as he watched the glass enclosure 
creeped slowly towards him a few inches and stopped. Malkin's chest heaved and he wanted to cry, but he contained his composure. A burst of pain ran down his arms as if the blood had turned to flame. He gripped the table, white-knuckled. He had to relax, he told himself. He had to think of something else, something familiar. He pretended he was staring down the barrel of a gun. He imagined the cold steel leading up to the sight. He felt the solid weight of the handle. He thought of a target as he stared down the metal barrel of the gun, and he made himself focus until he saw the face that he was looking for. He aimed for Evan. The familiar survival exercise steadied his pulse, and his body fell in line with his beating heart. Slowly, the pain eased, and Malkin directed all of his energy towards defeating Evan. Evan was staring at him. Malkin showed cool calculation as he flexed his fingers and moved his arm robotically. Someone in the audience moved their chair closer to the glass, and the boys in the audience laughed. Malkin spun towards the gaggle of boys and shouted, What the hell are you looking at? It's my move, ain't it? Evan swallowed hard and stared down at the board quickly. He heard a few of the boys in the audience yell back. Malkin moved, this time capturing an unguarded night of Evans. The familiar whine sounded again from the ceiling as the gas chamber lowered. Evan pretended that the chamber above him didn't exist. One piece wasn't the end of the world, but he rubbed his temples as the microbes released their acid into the sockets behind his eyes. It made his eyes water. He whipped off his glasses and wiped the acid seeping from the tear ducts. He screamed. More laughter and shouting erupted from the convicts in the audience. The inmates were beginning to take bets. Malkin felt his rage bubble to the surface. You bet on dogfights, he thought to himself. You bet on whether you could score a girl. But you never bet on the fall of a brother, even the fall of Evan. Evan switched his pieces around in a move called castling to protect his king. Malkin moved his other knight and captured one of Evan's pawns. The enclosure above Evan squealed again. Malkin watched as his opponent stared at the death chamber as it dangled ever so closer to his head. Evan stared back at the board with swollen eyes, red and seeping with acid. His hand shook from the pain. He knew Malcolm's move had not hurt his plan. It was a knee-jerk reaction to losing his queen. But it was clear that, given the opportunity, Malcolm would show no mercy. Evan had to try to remember that. He needed to watch for the fast and furious street chess moves if he was going to make it out alive. He had to focus. Sergeant Akers entered the room and set a black box with two silver buttons on the table next to the boys. You have three minutes each to make your moves. If you fail to make your move in that time, the chamber will drop. If you fail to hit the button after you move and your time runs out, the chamber will drop. Do you have any questions? Neither Malkin nor Evan said anything. The two began breathing hard, each fighting back tears. The microbes in their body were riding on a tidal wave of blood, frantically surging through their veins as their hearts pounded under the added pressure. Evan stared at the board as his chest heaved. Tears turned to blood as the acid ate away at the tissue in his tear ducts. He couldn't think. He couldn't remember his plan. He glanced wildly at the clock as the three minutes ticked away. His hand shook as it hovered over the board, and all he could think to do was play it safe. He moved upon one square and hit the button on the clock. 
nearly hyperventilating in the process. Malkin rubbed his forehead and moved a pawn, hitting the clock. Evan took the pawn and stared at the board, looking deep for a way to end the game quickly. He ignored the chamber, inching closer to Malkin. Evan formulated a way for several pieces to work together to capture Malkin's king. A noise from the glass outside broke his concentration. A boy was desperately banging on the glass and pointing to the clock. Evan panicked, realizing he had forgotten to hit the button. Crippling pain rippled down through his arm as he stretched his fingers and hit the button with only three seconds remaining. Malkin sat stoically, looking disappointed. Malkin moved his king to protect it. Evan applied pressure by taking a rook. The chamber above Malkin lowered again, and the boys outside whooped and exchanged bets. Evan tried not to notice as he visualized the moves in his head. As he stared, the pieces began to glow, much like they had done when he was a boy in school. He had Malkin in three moves. Instead of giving him a huge sense of relief, he felt himself begin to weep. His survival on the streets had required him to kill for territory, for honor, or for his gang. Jail was no different. The city required him to do the same, kill his enemy or be killed. The city's motives were far less noble, though. There was no glory, no new conquering of a street, no vendetta to settle. The city had found a way to reduce its inmate overcrowding problem. It made the bullets, and Evan was required to fire them, or take one in the heart himself. Evan thought of forcing a stalemate. He could probably pull it off if he did. Maybe they could both be set free. He looked at the clock and at Malkin. He looked at the pool of blood at the edge of the board from his weeping eyes. Malkin stared at the blood, too, with a smirk. It was that smirk that made Evan reconsider his merciful endgame. The city wanted one winner and one loser. He considered letting Malkin win for a moment. His hand hovered over the pieces as he deliberated. The nightmares he had suffered from the shooting in the street had been the driving force for turning himself in. Could he kill again? He glanced at the clock, ticking away. If he won, what was the prize? Jail time? Maybe death was a better option. He stared into Malkin's hungry face. When Malkin... Malkin stared desperately at the board. It was clear to Evan that Malkin was lost. Malkin had no big plan, and there was nothing he could do about it besides play to the end. Evan took a deep breath, made up his mind, and made his move. Knowing he would win, there was no pain anywhere in his body as he hit the button on the clock. Malkin stared at the board, and a wave of realization flooded his face. He looked up at Evan. Malkin stared at him with a mixed expression of envy, pride, and anger. Sweat pouring down his cheeks, he stared out at the faces of the crowd. Some were pounding on the glass as they pointed to the board. A small boy in the front urgently pointed to the time running out on the clock. Malkin moved his rook near the center of the board without any benefit to himself. He hit the clock. More microbes visibly clustered down his neck and into his chest. He threw his head back and choked, pounding his fist on the table. He coughed, and blood covered his lips and ran down his chin. Evan zeroed in and took the only piece protecting Malkin's king. He hit the clock with tears running down his cheeks. The chamber dropped closer to Malkin's head. 
Malkin gripped the corners of the table to steady himself. He stared up into the death chamber above him. The thick glass sat like a crown dangling just above his head. For a moment, the boy inmate straightened his back and looked older and taller than his age. He set his jaw as he turned and stared into the video camera. He picked up his king. As he set it sideways, he declared defeat. He closed his eyes, and the death chamber fell, sealing him in like a tomb. The nozzle at the top of the chamber shook, and a smoky gas swirled around Malkin. Evan screamed that his opponent was no dog. He shouted to Sergeant Akers that they were being treated like animals. Evan writhed in his fury and his agony in protest, confined to his chair. Without hope, he merely screamed over and over again for help. He watched Malkin choke. Blood from his lungs splattered the gas chamber and slowly ran down the glass. Evan sobbed and reached his hand out to his dying opponent. But Malkin didn't fight it. He didn't cry. He merely closed his eyes as he coughed and gasped, never once losing his dignity or his vengeful pride. If he couldn't choose how he would die, then he would choose when. It was a final act of spite against a soulless city. Evan and the rest of the boys watched as they dragged Malkin's body away. The officer dragged him by one foot. Akers entered by way of another door and unlocked Evan's chain to the floor. He was escorted to the dark, metal room where five other boys sat nervously. Micah peered in at them. No beds, a hole in the floor as a bathroom. He made note of all as he watched them. A disgusting smell hit his senses, and he stepped back. Dinner, Akers announced. The boys looked up but did not move towards the trays that were set on the floor. They had just watched their fellow inmate gasp without a second thought for their keepers. When Micah had seen enough, he nodded to Akers and found his way to the alley. He dialed his phone. The foot soldiers arrive tomorrow night. Have the others arrived? Yes, replied Kevin. Good. I'll pick you up in thirty minutes. The game will be spread over several days, and the team will need a place to return to and rest. I doubt you and your neighbors want vampiric guards surrounding your house once the game begins. Kevin interjected. I don't really care about that anymore. We do have a problem, though, and we need to talk. I think there's something you should see.